Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we are talking about eight ways marriages change after baby. Now, something that you might not know if you're new to the program is that we have built a mommy mentorship program that we help new expectant moms with the massive information overwhelm of becoming a new mom, the isolation of becoming a new mom, especially in a pandemic. And we have created this amazing program where we have international guest experts doing master classes on a huge on a ton of different topics. We have a fantastic private community of amazing women, as well as a curated library of information to help you and your baby every step of the way for the first year of your your role as a mother and your baby's life. So if this is something that interests you, you should definitely check us out at mommymentorship.com or you send us a DM on Instagram at Amanda underscore BLMC at Katie underscore BLMC. And we would be so happy to answer any questions that you have about this amazing program that we have created. Let's get into the episode. So eight ways that your marriage changes when you have a baby. Now we say marriage, but ultimately we are talking about some sort of romantic relationship between you and your partner. Um, Because whether you're married, you're common law, you are committed, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, when you have a baby, your relationship will change between you and your partner. Yeah, change is absolutely unavoidable when it comes to having a baby. And so number one is change is unavoidable. Yeah, because yeah, you you've you've gone from two people to three or more people. In my case, we went from two to four. So obviously, the dynamic of everything is changing. You've gone from just you and your partner to you and your partner who are now in charge of caring for a child, right? So everything in your life is going to change. Oh, absolutely! Literally, everything changes. And, you know, I think it's quite often like couples will have like this notion of we're just going to slide a baby into our life. Like a baby doesn't have to change our life. And um, I hate to break it to you. A baby changes every aspect of your life. <laughs> like it, it really does. Like, yes, you can try. And there will be some things that don't change. Absolutely. There are, you know, there are some things that changes. That, let me try that again. There are some things that stay the same 
but like your world is going to be rocked in every aspect when you have a baby. Well, and suddenly your world kind of revolves around this baby because, you know, the baby has to be on a schedule, right? It's got a feeding and sleeping schedule. So like everything you do is going to kind of revolve around the baby. It's not the baby just revolving around your world, if that makes sense. Well, absolutely. Because it's literally around the clock care, right? It's 24 seven, you know, it's nonstop around the clock care. And it really does take your undivided attention. Like, especially in the fourth trimester, in that first stage of postpartum, like those first four months, like it really is just constant and you need, it's hard to multitask, not only because like they're the needs while basic as, you know, eating, sleeping, pooping are so basic. It's just like constant all the time. Yeah. And you know, you're losing sleep, your partner might be losing some sleep and it's just, it is, a very special time, but it's also a very difficult time. And, you know, for some new parents, it's more difficult than others. Like, especially if, you know, you start to get the baby blues or postpartum depression or you're isolated, um, you know, you know, or if you've had mental health issues in the past and you're starting to struggle a little bit, like there's ways that, yeah, it's harder for you. And then, you know, for some other people it might be a little bit easier. But, you know, the change to your relationship is and to your entire world is unavoidable. Well, and too, like, yes, you know, if you have, you know, if you as the mom are your hormones are changing everything, but then you add on the additional stress of, you know, if you have a baby who is a crier, like that throws stress into a relationship because there's nothing more grating and upsetting and stressful than an a baby who just cries, you know, for no reason. And all the time, like that is a really hard thing to experience. Um, and a lot of parents experience that. And they're just like, I was not prepared for that. Like I, I, you know, the words, I didn't think it was going to be this hard is something that I think comes out of every parent's mouth at some point in the fourth trimester. Yeah, I would agree with that because you really don't know what you're getting into until you're into it. And then you're like, oh my goodness, this is what, you know, my friend told me about, or this is what we heard on that pregnancy podcast, (laughs) right? Like, that's why, you know, we're kind of telling you this now, not to scare you, but so that you're prepared. And so that when, you know, things are happening, you go, oh yeah, they had talked about this. So you know, I know what to do. I feel prepared. I, you know, I feel like someone else has gone through this before. Cause I know like sometimes as a new mom, like if you haven't heard that someone else experienced the same thing, you kind of feel alone and, you know, we don't need to feel alone. And something too, to consider too, like, is if, if you ask new parents, like how have things changed in your life since having a baby? And if they tell you nothing has changed, they're lying. Like they're not telling you the whole truth. Or if, if you look at someone and at a couple and who have just had a baby and you're like, wow, they have, they really have their shit together. Like they are doing so well, but you don't know the story behind everybody, right? Like you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. And that's such a, a common thing, especially for moms. Like you can look at a mom and be like, wow, she's really got everything together. Like she's such, you know, we do that comparison 
And ultimately, if somebody tells you, you know, nothing has changed, everything, you know, if everything's just gone so smoothly and everything's great and sunshine and roses, like ultimately they're not telling you the truth. Like there is something, you know, people want to look like they're able, there's, they're doing well. And, you know, it's a hard thing to acknowledge that you're struggling or this is hard. Um, and so ultimately, you know, they're blowing smoke up you like, because then it's, but then it's also, it gets me so mad when people do that too. Sorry, I'm going to, I'm on a bit of a soapbox, but because then when you go through an experience where you're struggling as a mom or as a dad, and you're like, well, it just makes you feel like you're the only one struggling with it, which you said isn't true. You know, there's definitely someone who's experienced whatever it is you're going through, you know, and, you know, we've talked in past episodes how like social media tends to make everything a million times worse because you see all these perfect parents showing, you know, and maybe even staging the best photo of, you know, them and their kid and stuff. And then you end up feeling like crap because, you know, they have it together. Why don't you have it together? Meanwhile, you know, they could be struggling and you would never know it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think when, you know, when this change happens, because it ultimately it happens, it's unavoidable. Really, the only thing that you can do about it is just accept that, you know, your ch- your relationship is going to change and it is going to grow. Right. Nothing. We don't ever want any type of relationship to be stagnant. And when your world is completely flipped upside down, when you have a baby, it, the, the same thing go, applies, right? It's you just accept with it and you got to roll with the changes. That's one thing to kind of ease the challenge of that change is happening. So number two, we have there is no such thing as downtime. And as a parent, there really is no such thing as downtime. And even as the kids grow older, still no such thing as downtime. And even if you're sitting on the couch, like, and you think it's downtime, like I want, for me, at least I have my brain always going and I'm always like, I need to get this done or I need to make a list. I need to get like groceries done. I need to make a grocery list. I need to buy, you know, the weather's changed for us right now and it's getting hot. And I'm like, okay, I need to buy sandals. I need to buy, you know, a hat for Finn. It's like your brain is always going, even if your body is physically not going. And you're right. There is no such thing as downtime. As a mom, your brain is going all the time. Well, and so when it comes to you and your partner, like you'll find that the two of you, like when the kids go to bed or the baby goes to bed, like that's when you're like doing the dishes or folding laundry or you know you're trying to keep up with all the regular chores that you you had lots of time to do before you had children right and so suddenly because there's no downtime there's less time for you and your partner to just kind of chill out and reconnect during during the evening hours and it doesn't mean like you're both not folding the laundry you're both not doing the chores and everything like you're still doing it but you're not having that like chill downtime that you used to have together and I always I always laugh like Peter and I always say like I it's crazy to think that like pre-kids we used to think how like our lives were so busy and like ultimately like we did nothing by comparison like everything I know I laugh at that too everything was downtime and I was like 
holy shit. Like why I, I thought, and I think everybody does is like, you know, we, I, we live such busy lives, like with work and, you know, some people go to the gym, which whatever you make that choice. It's not, it doesn't appeal to me, but like, you know, we have all these things that take priority and then, you know, you have a baby and you're just like, I can't even shower. Like I'm that busy, but you're busy. Do It's just, it's crazy. And you think back like, oh, my life was so busy. And now you're like, no, if only myself could, you know, my past self could see the future. Well, I laugh because there was like tasks that I would like push off because I'd be like busy with work or have other stuff to do. And I was like, why did I not like take the afternoon to like do this, like paint this, this, uh, we've got this furniture that I wanted to paint and I never did end up painting. I bought the paint, didn't paint it. Cause I was so busy before I had kids. And I was like, how did I not have time to do that? Because like, you know, now that I have kids and stuff like, yeah, life is, is busy, but like, I'm not doing the little extra things that I could have done when I actually had time. Right. But yeah, I just find that like now, like what should be downtime isn't really downtime. And like, for example, the kids go to bed and, you know, my kids are a little bit older now, but I'll be sitting on the couch, scrolling through Instagram and responding to emails and stuff. And he's like, why aren't you off doing, you know, whatever, I've, you know, usually something to do with Best Life Moms Club. Um, and he's like, you said you wanted to get that done and you're going to do it tonight, like editing the podcast, for example. And I'm like, yeah, I can't do it now because the kids are going to come out and they're going to need me. They're gonna, the boys have to go to the bathroom and they need this and that. And tonight, you know, the house is a little hot. So we're dealing with, you know, what are they wearing, taking clothes off, putting clothes on. So like, you know, things, things change and, you know, they, they change with every kind of season that your kids are going through as well. So for number three, we have you and your partner will bicker more. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it might escalate into a fight because sometimes it does, but, um, and it, but ultimately you bicker you fight more over over smaller things you maybe have a bigger reaction to so something to consider like you know we talk a lot about our hormones and but it's true our hormones are they do play a big factor in it as well as you know you both are probably going to be sleep are sleep deprived you definitely are your partner might be you're not getting the nutrition that you know you need and if you're breastfeeding, you're being drained of everything to like, you know, to be producing all your milk. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And something so small could set one of you off. I know Peter and I, we bicker. The fourth trimester is just like, kind of attention filled trimester, because as much as I love the newborn and fourth, the newborn stage, it definitely puts a strain on our marriage. And I know I know I'm not alone. Like it just for Peter and I and our relationship, our relationship always gets challenged in the fourth trimester. 
Well, yeah, because neither one of you are sleeping very well. Everything revolves around this new baby that you're integrating into your life, whether it's your first, second or third, right? Like there's a change and a shift that happens. So, yeah. And then like when you're trying to figure things out and figure out, you know, what's right for your baby, like there might be bickering over little things as to, you know, what diaper cream you want to use or, you know, what like little things like trivial things that you don't think that you would fight over. You might start bickering over. Yeah. And it can even just so. be something like a comment. For me, it's like a comment that is maybe not the most direct comment. So I interpret it the wrong way. And whether it's because of my hormones or my sleep or just generally, I'm just in a grumpy mood that because I'm stressed or, you know, because my stress inevitably is higher in my, in the fourth trimester. And I, I admit that I am not necessarily a joy to live with. And I do after the fact of these bickering moments or these fights, you know, once I've calmed down and things have settled, I do realize that I am a bitch. <laughs> like there's no other way to put it. Like ultimately, you know, I have apologized to Peter on a number of occasions where I recognize, you know, with some time and space that I was in the wrong. I either was just more sensitive for whatever reason or, you know, something that was said or it's just we bicker. I recognize it and I recognize that I don't make life necessary easily. I don't make life easier for Peter either because I my personality is one that is you know, I am very independent and I try and have everything together and, you know, do everything for everyone. But ultimately that leads to burnout. And when you burn out or you're starting to burn out, which is so common in the fourth trimester for so many moms that, you know, the smallest thing can set you off and it's hard. It's incredibly hard, right? And there's a lot going on. And I think as you and your your partner get the groove of things, the bickering will end up being less. But like with different changes to different things, sometimes there's a little bit more bickering. And the fourth trimester, there's just a lot going on. And, um, you know, you're kind of stressed out and there's the learning curve, the hormones, and then your your spouse is learning and trying to support you and losing sleep and you know so there's just a lot going on tensions are kind of high and I know for Keith and I once you kind of get the hang of it you start to bicker less uh, especially as you both start to get more sleep I think sleep's really important so that kind of helped us bicker less but uh, yeah bickering it's gonna happen yeah I it happens. And I think some ways to kind of deal with it too is, you know, in the moment, you know, for me, I've recognized that I need to walk away from a situation, I need to calm down, and then I need to reflect on, you know, maybe the situation, but a big part of it is owning my behavior and my choice and my part in it. So that I can acknowledge that I if I was at fault, and I'll say if because sometimes I'm not at fault. (laughs) But you know, being an adult and owning up to making a mistake is a really hard thing to do for anyone. 
And so, but I make a point of going up, apologizing and acknowledging my part in the fight or the bicker. Another thing too is trying to maybe kill with kindness almost so that you make up for the, you know, the bad bump. <laughs> um, so, no, please and thank you. Just trying to be a little bit more considerate um, when you are stressed or you feel like you're in a you're in a rush, and just taking that moment to kind of pause. And I have to remind myself to be nice because sometimes I'm not nice. I know it's shocking, Amanda. Like <laughs> me, not nice, but <laughs> apparently I'm not sometimes. Yeah, we're all not nice sometimes. I know. So for number four, we we have nurturing your relationship takes a back seat. It, that essentially is kind of plays into why you bicker too. Oh, exactly. Because you're so focused on this new person that's a huge part of your life that you're not nurturing the relationship that was a huge part of your life, right? So I think that like, it's really important that you kind of take some time for each other. I know, you know, with COVID, it's a little bit harder to like get out. But if you have like family nearby that are willing to come and watch the baby so you can get out with your partner for a little bit, that will do a world of wonders for the two of you. I know. Uh, for me, my parents live five minutes away from us, so my mom would come over and watch the kids so that Keith and I could go and grab dinner or, you know, go for a walk, just get out, just the two of us. I think, too, with this one about, like, you know, your relationship and nurturing your relationship, taking a backseat, is that as 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 important as dads are, and or partners are you are your baby's world so no matter how much your partner loves your baby your baby's going to love you more and you are going to be their world you are their world so you are with them by default they are the you are the one that they want and so that 24 7 all the time care of that baby needing you it's very easy to forget because you're fixated on your baby. And sometimes we lose sight of the people around us, not because we want to, but just because we are, you know, our little baby is just so it's entirely dependent on us. And that's a big job. And when they're dependent, you're fixated on them and it's hard to look away that kind of leads into number five, which is your baby becomes your priority and not your partner. It's perfect because you're your baby's world and therefore your baby kind of becomes your world because you are the primary caregiver and then your partner ends up taking a back seat to both of you, right? Because you're focused on baby, baby is focused on mommy and... So the partner kind of gets left out. It used to be you and the partner. Now it's you and the baby and sometimes the partner, right? And, um, you know, I think that it can be hard on the dad and that's when the dad kind of feels left out or 
you know, your, your partner. And, you know, that can be a hard adjustment for everybody. And the thing is your relationship with your partner, it kind of, it does take the back seat for the first little bit, right? Because when they're really teeny tiny, they're dependent on mom. And then as they get older and older, older they can become less dependent on you and more people can help out if that makes sense well and another thing too is like prior to baby you and your partner you guys have conversations about everything and then once you have a baby you will have if you actually look and pay attention to it you will find a noticeable shift into the conversations that you have because they will be baby centric you your conversations will no longer be about things you did or, you know, things that happened at work or news that you heard, or you talked to a family member and here's the family gossip, or you read this book, you know, those pre-baby conversations, those conversations that get happen after baby arrives is, you know, talking about diapers, um, to-do lists, chores, color of poop, um, how feedings went, how sleep went, everything really does become baby centric in your conversations with you and your partner. And that is a hard, that's a big shift too, because just in the conversation, the language you're using, you're not building or nurturing that relationship because everything is baby centric. Yeah. And it's going to be baby centric for a little bit. And then as the baby ages, you kind of slowly start to get some of your your life and your relationship back especially if you um if you stand back and figure out ways to nurture it knowing that you're really going to have to work on it yeah because your your marriage your marriage your relationships really do need nurturing after baby comes it becomes an active decision to nurture that relationship they're not it's not as natural nurturing that happens pre-baby if that makes sense um and you you had a really good point of it makes it really does help if you can have some time away from baby you know once whether even if it's just a half an hour you know you know if you're breastfeeding it's hard to get time away because you are the baby is tied to you and is entirely dependent feeding wise to you but if you have someone that you trust and you're able to, you know, spend some one-on-one time with your partner, even just for a half an hour, that half an hour where you, it's just the two of you, even if it's just going for a walk, like it's something simple, you're, you get a little bit of respite, but it's that little bit of respite for your relationship will do wonders. So number six, we have, um, you might resent your partner a little bit. Yes. I think this is, or you might also resent them a lot. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) And one day it might be a little bit and another day or another week, it could be a lot. But I I am, I own this. Like I absolutely have feelings of resentment on the regular um, because there is a level of freedom of not being a mom. And oh, definitely. Dads yes, have an amazing amount of freedom when they have when when a baby is a baby. Whether they want to admit to it or not, right? Yeah. Because the mom is the primary caregiver. Yeah. And you know, I 
where does the list begin? You know, I, there are so many things that you can, I have experienced resentment for the basic of being able to eat a meal while it's hot or drink a cup of tea while it's hot, eat a meal where you don't have people talking. This is obviously with older, with like the older kids, but um, having a meal seated or not have having a meal and not having everybody talking at you at the exact same time, being able to have a shower whenever you want and not be interrupted, whether it be by your partner saying the baby's crying and they need you or the monitor starting going because they're crying. The basic ability of being free, going where you want to go when you need to go get something and not having to work around somebody else's schedule, not even for the baby, but like making sure that your partner is home to look after the baby so that you can go do something that is, and you're entirely dependent on your partner coming home so that you can go get something done. I like, that's a big one to swallow the amount of sleep. I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest times that you will feel resentment is in the middle of the night. If you look over and see your partner sleeping while you've been up for a couple of hours with your crying baby or your baby who is going through a developmental leap and sleep is going, is thrown off or they're teething and they just want to be held for your comfort. And you look over and your partner is snoring and like, you just want to be like, Oh my God. It's infuriating. It really is. Right. And I know like with me, with Caroline, Keith didn't know night feedings at all because he was so busy with work he had just published a book and he was really trying to promote it and get you know all these books sold and yeah I needed him to be well rested so he could work meanwhile I'm like doing all the night feedings and getting up in the middle of the night and then I had to get up and take care of two children right so that one yeah. And the baby. Yeah. So that I remember resenting him for that. And like, even like when you're home with your baby and I know in Canada, you get like a year mat leave. We're really fortunate in the States. I know you don't get as much. And um, we have a lot of listeners in the U S however, I found that like, even the fact that he was like going to work, right. Like you kind of resent the fact that his life is somewhat normal, whereas your life got flipped completely upside down. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I think that's that's pretty common. I there's one thing that I I you know I am envious of is the fact that you know speaking about going to work, your partner going to work. Like, I am so envious of the fact that Peter can drive in his car in silence, without a crying baby, without kids talking all the time because he never drives with all three of them. I think he's driven maybe twice with all three of them in the via, in the car, like in the van. And he always jokes, well, I'm done for, for six months. I don't have to do this again. Like even when it was just Frey and Finn, like it was so rare. So like he would joke about it, but like, you know, listening to not Disney songs or greatest showman because my kids are obsessed with the greatest showman soundtrack. And I love it. Don't get me wrong, but when you listen to it for two and a half years straight, <laughs> every single day, 
it kind of loses its novelty. Um, but yeah, I am very envious of the fact that he can drive in his car by himself and it could be quiet or he could listen something that he wants to. Like, it's just a small things that is just like, oh, I am so jealous. You have to get them hooked onto something different. My kids are obsessed right now with Lenny Kravitz and at least he's got 13 hours of music. So I don't have to listen to the same song over and over again. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know. I do. I do love great. I do love the greatest showman. Like it is, I do love it, but it's, we're going on two and a half years. Yeah. That'd be a bit much. At least Lenny Kravitz. I've been really enjoying him. And he's got 13 hours of music. So we're good. My kids do (laughs) like Frey and Finn really do love uh, the, the weekend blinding lights. That's our dancing song in the car. So like that'll come on and we'll dance while we're driving. Um, Yeah. So they, and Freya shockingly knows a bunch of the words and I'm like, you don't know the context of this song. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what the song is. So. (laughs) um that's that's a shame because it's a really good song but anyways yeah so like they're going back to this point of like you will resent your partner either a little bit or a lot um it it could be the smallest things it really is the smallest things well you can either talk to your partner about it depending on what the resentment is over or just know that it's a season and you might resent them over something else later (laughs) Well, ultimately, the thing is, though, yeah, you're right. Like, it is a season. I think talking about it is a good idea, but they won't, odds are they probably won't understand. But the thing is to also consider that they might resent you for having so much time with the baby. They might resent you for the baby wanting you over them. Because that is a really hard pill to swallow for for dads and for partners. Um, So, like, the resentment can go both ways, but I'm going to venture to guess that as a mom, we probably have a little bit more than the dad. Just saying. But it will be there. It is a season. One thing to consider is if you are really struggling with some resentment, you need to communicate and you need to talk to your partner about it to see if there's some way that you can work around it and get those needs met that aren't being met. Definitely, because, you know, if it's resentment in the middle of the night over not helping out with feedings, how how can we rectify that one? You know, for me, I was bottle feeding. That would have been a really easy fix, right? For you, breastfeeding, a little bit harder. But, like, there are things that dads can do, which we talked about in another episode, so that they could help with breastfeeding. And one of them was... We talked about night feedings and how they could help. So that's a good episode if you are planning on breastfeeding. Number seven, we have, you have less sex. It's unavoidable, It's but it's true. Your sex life changes. Especially in the fourth trimester, right? Because, because like for, for six weeks, you are healing, right? Do not have sex in the first first six weeks because you have a gaping hole in your body. Let your body heal. Do not have sex. I don't see it as a game to see if you can make them break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, when you do decide you're going to try to have sex for the first time, you know, make sure that you're ready. 
because you don't have to have sex right at six weeks. Katie and I have both talked about how we waited longer because we just weren't ready. Yeah. So that's okay too. Yeah. Physically, emotionally, and just timing wise, we were not ready. And also to remember that your sex will be different because physically you are different. Even if you are one of those people who, you know, has a bounce back and we've talked about, you know, the bounce back culture and your insides are different. Your body has changed. Your body has changed. Even if it may not look like it's changed, it has definitely changed. Yeah. You carried around a human for nine months and then you birthed it. It has changed. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, sex physically will be different as well. And the beginning of the episode talked, uh, I talked about the mommy mentorship program that we have. And one of our masterclasses is with our guest expert, Dana, and she does an amazing masterclass on postpartum sex and what to expect and how to make it great again. And to understand the changes that happen in postpartum sex. Yeah. And I think that one that's something that there's not a lot of people talking about. So that masterclass is like all the, all our masterclasses are excellent, but that one kind of is extra special just because the content is not widely talked about. No. And it's also too, like, there's so much that goes on and, you know, you have less sex because you, you just have less time. And I, Peter and I would have to schedule it and be like, okay, like, how's the day going? is this going to happen? It's definitely less spontaneous, right? Because you've got at least one human (laughs) that you're taking care of around. So you can't just have sex whenever you want. Absolutely. And there's also too, like the preparation that you need to go because, you know, in your postpartum period, you are likely going to have more vaginal dryness, right? So you have to be a little bit more prepared for it in the sense of, especially your first couple of times, it's always highly, highly, highly recommended to have some sort of lube and just like lube it up because there is vaginal dryness um, and it makes it a little bit easier, right? So you'd be like, okay, do I, are we prepared for this? And then, you know, unless you're trying to get pregnant right away, odds are you're going to have to think about your, you know, form of birth control because you are most like you are hyper fertile when just after you have a baby. Right. So I have two cousins who had their second baby within a year. Like their, their kids are less Irish, than a year apart. Irish. They're twins. Irish twins. Yeah. 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 And actually my grandparents had Irish twins too. My aunts were the same age for one week a year. I had a student who was one of Iris triplets. That's crazy. Yeah. So he was a, a set of twins. He, he was a yeah. single. He was older. He was a single. And he had a set of twin siblings who were born in the same year. That's crazy. Yeah. Iris triplets. Yeah. My, my kids were close enough in age at two years and two weeks. I couldn't imagine having a single singleton plus twins being all within a year that's just nuts yeah and so one thing too is to consider too with like you know your relationship the spontaneity of your sex the physical aspect of your sex just everything how it does change is it's really important to communicate with your partner 
about, you know, how you're feeling about the approach to sex. If you are ready for sex, right? It's all about communication because Peter, he acknowledges that the first few times after we have a baby, sex is not enjoyable because he, it was especially not enjoyable for after Freya because it was, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was like he was prepared for like the pain of, you know, trying to have sex for the first time. But like, I'll admit after this, when we had sex, after we had Freya, I cried the first time because it was so painful, but I think it's because I physically was not ready, even though I had waited eight weeks, I just, I don't think it was enough time for me. Um, so it was, it wasn't enjoyable for either of us. And he's, he said like, you know, it wasn't great. It wasn't enjoyable. And I didn't take it personally because to be honest, I dreaded it. I wasn't looking forward to it. Um, but that was the reality of what our sex life was right away after having a baby. And when we started again, and even with Maeve, he was like, Oh, I guess we should just have sex so we can just kind of like get this over with because the first few times <laughs> are not enjoyable for him or me because you're, you yeah. Know, like, I don't know how I've it was. Never asked Keith. I don't know if I've ever asked him if he found it. I'm sure he didn't find it enjoyable. No, it's, it's just not enjoyable. You're almost like a virgin again. Absolutely. That makes sense. Absolutely. It's like losing your virginity. I never thought I would lose my virginity four times. Yeah, that's that's the only way I can describe it, right? Is it's kind of awkward. It's not you're not nervous. Good. You're nervous. It's yeah, not good. you don't want to hurt yourself. Yeah. It, yeah, that's the only way I could describe it is <laughs> it's kind of like that. And it's just like, you got to do it a few times and then then you're good to go but yeah not good yeah it's I you know I always think of I always make connections to shows and movies right and this is not an office connection but it's it's of the new girl and it's they're making fun of Schmidt is making fun of Nick for the first time that he had sex because Schmidt was in the dorm room when it happened and it's it's just I can just he's like are you okay yeah are you okay? Yeah. Like they're just going back and forth the whole time they're having sex because it's all about communication, but it's not enjoyable and it's scary. And it's like, you're jiggly, you're not comfortable, or at least I'm not a hundred percent, you know, confident in my postpartum body initially. Uh, even though, you know, I, I don't dislike my postpartum body, but you know, things are still getting back into shape and, you're trying to find angles so that your boobs look good, you know, and they're not falling off to the side. It's just, it's not good. <laughs> and the thing is like Katie and I were talking, we were planning the episode. And so she has just gone through the fourth trimester with Maeve. And uh, whereas like my youngest is two and a half. And so like Keith and I, I, I was saying we, have sex probably as frequently as we did before we had kids um, because we're out of that baby phase, if that makes sense. So like you slowly can get more sex. It just kind of takes a little bit of time, right? Whereas because Maeve is four months now, oh God, she's four months. Um, but yeah, she's four months. Like sex is not happening. And especially because we have two older kids. 
like sex is not happening as frequently as it was or as you as you were getting it we're not having as much sex as nearly as much sex as you guys are having i'm gonna guess because it uh it's just it doesn't it's not on our radar we're exhausted and to be honest sometimes you're like okay let's have sex and then Maeve sleeps in the same room like her bed is right beside me right beside me so we're on the other side of the bed and she wakes up and there's nothing worse than a crying baby or a baby that you hear moving around being like yeah this isn't happening yeah I hear you on that one and there it is again but where, you're, where you're losing your virginity where you're like trying to be quiet or like you're having sex where you're like you don't want your parents to hear so you're trying not to wake your parents up now you're not trying to wake up your baby Oh gosh, that's funny. Uh, so our last one is number eight and it's you and your partner have a new bond. So this one is really positive because like, I know we've kind of talked about, you know, all the troubles that your relationship will kind of go through. It's a little bit of turbulence. However, this I wouldn't, is I wouldn't the silver say lining. I wouldn't say that it's troubles. It's challenges. Turbulence is a good choice but changes, right? Like it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's bad. Like it's not necessarily bad. It's just something you have to be aware of. Yeah. That's yeah. why I say turbulence. Yeah. Turbulence is a good choice. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of the silver lining is that like, now that you have a baby, you and your partner have like this like special bond, like you've created something that is half of you and half of your partner. And it's just really special. And it's an amazing experience. Like even the whole pregnancy birth, like when you look back on it, like, yeah, I'm just absolutely in awe. And then like, as your baby grows, like you see pieces of yourself in in your baby and I think it just kind of brings you closer together absolutely and you know yes there are challenges and yes you're going to have resentment and you're not going to be having as much sex and you know you're going to be grumpy and sleep deprived but the silver lining is that you have this baby and this baby is something that makes both of you smile it makes both of you laugh it you know it makes both of you stress and worry about the, you know, the smallest things that you never thought you were, would ever worry about, or you could never worry about someone else as much as you do your baby, but you are worrying, you're stressed, you're sleep deprived together because of this baby. And that's an amazing bond and experience that you and your partner are the only ones that have for this baby. It, it, in the short term, it might distance you got, you might be a little distant because of these changes, but ultimately what brings, what bridges that distance is this amazing new baby that you have created with your partner. And it is a great thing. That is the beacon of light that you should focus on is that ultimately you love, you laugh, you cry, you stress over this baby together. Well, and hopefully now that, you know, these new mom and dads are aware of some of the challenges that your relationship faces, hopefully, you know, you can kind of prepare yourself for this so that you know going into it that, you know, this is kind of what happens and there are ways that you can kind of plan to 
you know, remedy some of the the bumps in the road, uh, even ahead of time, like whether that's, you know, deciding that you're going to go for a walk a couple of times a week while uh, one of the grandparents comes and watches the baby, like there are, you know, ways that you can kind of overcome some of these hurdles and some of these hurdles, you're going to know that, you know, maybe, you know, you start to bicker or whatnot, but like, you know, that that's something that you can reflect upon and figure out why are we bickering? You know, we know other couples will bicker too, and, you know, and see what's the reason behind it. Am I getting enough sleep? Is it my hormones? Like, um, you know, what are we bickering over? So like, I'm hoping that, you know, this list kind of helps you, helps you know that these things are normal and that there are ways around it and that things will get better because you've got your little beacon of light that you've created that you will be bonded with forever. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.